Welcome to In Layman's Terms, a podcast dedicated to stories of discipleship and the exploration of how we can put Scripture to use in our daily lives. I'm your host, Todd Seifert. I serve as Communications Director of the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church, a network of about 800 churches throughout Kansas and Nebraska. I'm a certified lay minister in the United Methodist Church with more than 25 years of experience teaching the Bible to people from pre-teens to 90-somethings. I'm passionate about what the Bible has to teach us and about the ways people live out their faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for joining me for this episode of In Layman's Terms. I'm coming to you from the studio in our Topeka office, and I'm joined today by a special guest, Bishop David Wilson. Bishop, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Todd. It's good to be here. Many of our regular listeners will remember the bishop joined us prior to his election in November of 2022 when I was able to spend some time with each of the declared candidates for the episcopacy in the South Central jurisdiction. It's now April 2023, and we certainly intended to have the bishop on before this, but he's just been so darn busy. Uh, And we'll get into what he's been up to in just a moment. But the air date for this podcast is April 10th, 2023, and that's significant because it's the 100th day of Bishop Wilson's tenure as Episcopal leader here in the Great Plains Conference. So so Bishop, we'll start with congratulations. Uh, Why don't you start off again by telling us some of the things you've seen, places you've been, and the stuff that you've learned already in just your short time in the conference. Thank you, Todd. It's been such a joy to be here in the Great Plains, you know, spending my first month getting to know staff and uh, folk that we work with across the connection to make these relationships. And then as uh, I, my, a few weeks went by, been able to get out, visit people, see people I've probably preached about. 12 or 13 times since I've been here. You've been busier preaching since you've been in the Great Plains than I, you probably did the last year you were in Oklahoma. I, I think you're right. I, 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 to have to preach that much, which is always a joy uh, to do that. The challenges in your day-to-day work, just making sure you carve out, carve out enough time to work on the sermons and, and to share. But it's been such a joy, Todd, as I get out. See so many great uh, ministries happening across uh, the Great Plains. To see churches full, I think in most churches I've been to, there's either been a baptism or people joining the church, and that's a great sign. I, I uh, recall being at the Church of the Resurrection, and I uh, was preaching uh, one weekend, and so uh, the pastor, youth pastor, asked me to pop in on their confirmation class. Two hundred young people there. Too many young people, and to witness that, and even that weekend at Resurrection, was able to participate in two baptisms, and that was a joy because I love doing baptisms, and just to be a part of that uh, that moment and uh, that person's life he's been the baptized in parents. Sacramental times yeah. are, the, are the things we commemorate in our lives, right? Yes, they, sh- they sure are. And then get to you know serve the sacraments, assist with that in so many places, which I miss doing that, and and the words of the. Of the sacraments, you know, the that we share ne- never get old. You always enjoy that and sing it, and sing it in people's faces as you hand them the bread and the cup, and to see the uh, seriousness in which people uh, take that and get to do that. You know, I er- early on uh, visited uh, probably in February, I think, in some of our other communities. I remember being in. Um, Salina area and got to visit further down, I think it's maybe Newton, the uh, the Ember Hope, mm-hmm. I think that's the name. And yes. I've heard about that often. I know the conference supports it greatly. And got to listen to people, the stories, and just amazed at that kind of ministry that happens in the, all over the Great Plains annual conference. And then later we went to Hutchinson and visited a 
thrift store that's run by about seven or eight churches. Uh, I think it's operated primarily by the United Methodist Church. And one of the neat things there is to hear all these churches from different denominations, even a church that has disaffiliated that's still participating. I thought that's pretty cool uh, to see that all, all the folk can still work together when we talk about the mission of the church. And that operation, I think, raised $30,000 that they give away to organizations in the area. And folks who serve that with love and care. Uh, those kinds of places that I got to visit was in uh, Omaha or Lincoln lately and visited with a young pastor at St. Mark's, I believe, in Lincoln. Uh, 500 kids, Todd, that come to that church on a Wednesday evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the joy and comfort uh, that that church offers, that just those, those things I love to witness and see and be a part of. And some of those things you can hear about, but when you actually see mm-hmm. them, they, they, I mean, the, the meaning is just so much more, right? Because oh, yeah. for whatever reason, seeing it in person is just, it creates this amazing feeling. Oh, it, it does. And to, see, and to see the joy in which people serve and, and, and claim those ministries and talk about it with passion. And then to see kids and others at play and enjoying that particular time. And you can see what a difference that makes in a young person's life. And I think that's important to me because I recall as a young person, uh, you know, uh, primarily a mother who raised us, although a father uh, was around, but being uh, supported by those kinds of activities in our church and other places, I know what a difference that's made in my life to have that community and what those programs teach us about faith, about life, and, and just to be surrounded by people who care about you. As you've been pointing out, you've been very busy. Uh, besides your visits and the numerous discussions via Zoom and on the phone, you, you've also been very involved in some uh, justice-related issues in our two states. Uh, you've released statements so far on such important issues as boarding schools that house Native American children and, and quite frankly, uh, largely rob them of their culture. You've addressed payday loans, encouraged donations in the wake of natural disasters in Turkey and elsewhere. And you even helped lead the Great Plains to a victory in a food drive related to the Super Bowl <laughs> between Kansas City and Philadelphia. So, how have you kept up with that pace? Oh, that's it's been you know this this pace is 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 the norm for me when I where I come from. It's uh, when you have a very small step, you do much of everything, and so to have those um, long busy weeks are are the norm. It, you know, sometimes by go and go and go, it catches up with me. So I'm learning to pace myself and to be able to do that. But that's been a joy because that uh, uh, social justice has always been a big part of my life and so when I uh, told when I first got here I saw um, uh, the governor was the governor of Kansas was having an interfaith service I think my very first week here and I said I sure would like to go to that and the conference made it possible and even had an opportunity to speak and what what I was so impressed about at that gathering when I got to meet people everybody knew who the Great Plains was they knew the work of this annual conference with all these issues and uh, uh, one of the addresses I made and, and you helped me with that and I heard later that one of the leaders from one of the denominations went home and said, he knew about this, he knew about this, he knew about that. And, and, and so they were quite impressed uh, to know that we're impressed and not surprised that United Methodists were part of that. And, and the other pieces that you mentioned, payday loans and the statements we made, boarding schools and others. And so that's, that's a piece that's ingrained in, in me. Not things that I search out, but often the things that find you. And then times when you cannot but to help speak out against certain things. Right, right. So much has been made across our denomination and in some of our local churches uh, and also among Native American media outlets, to be honest with you, about your election as the first Native American bishop in the history of the United Methodist Church. So for one more time, and then I'll let you put it to rest, (laughs) uh, I am going to ask you if you wouldn't mind 
sharing for folks who may not understand quite yet why your election was so significant and how you're dealing with it being kind of the focal point of such a momentous moment in the history of the denomination. Sure, thank you. Good question. You know, um, I think the United Methodist Church may be the only mainline denomination that has not elected an indigenous person uh, to the office of a bishop or its, its equivalent. And, you know, I think back to my life in Oklahoma Indian Missionary Conference. The conference is a little, little over 180 years old. I uh, shared a story that when our ancestors were in Mississippi and Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, that the, those various conferences came and evangelized among our people. And so many, uh, because Christianity the heart of Christianity is so similar to our native cultures and spirituality, it was easy for folks to buy into that, to understand it. Now, how it was lived out later is a different story. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we have that long history. When our tribes were removed a few, few years later to Oklahoma, uh, they were already Christian, already Methodist, Presbyterians. And so one of the very first things they did was to uh, rebuild their Methodist churches in Oklahoma. And so t today, if you travel to southeast Oklahoma, uh, you'll find two or three churches that have been in existence since removal. Mm -hmm. And that's quite, that's, think about that in terms of what happened to our people on the Trail of Tears. Uh, the faithfulness of our people who still trust in God, uh, who uh, still desire to serve and make a big difference. So I think about that in terms of uh, indigenous people as being a part of this Methodist church for 180 years uh, there. And I had a predecessor who, uh, who, who said, uh, referring to native folk, he said, we, we did everything the church asked us to do, and we were never good enough. And I think about that often, and especially in being involved in all the facets of the church. I've been on boards and agencies, committees. Not, as a lay person, I've done everything. I tell pastors, I've done everything in the local church that you've done, trust me. From cleaning the toilets to sweeping, working the building, youth director, directing Christmas plays, even playing Santa Claus in a Christmas Eve program. I've done it all. And, and then later in the general church. I have to find that visual for <laughs> uh, Luckily, though, uh, there are very few cameras in that time. <laughs> uh, but, but to think about you know, that, the only place we're not present is, in, is at the table with the Council of Bishops. And, and so that's why it's so important, because our folk have labored and been faithful for so long and really wanted representation. So folks at home are just so excited and, and uh, somewhat disappointed that I'm not there, but so excited that we finally have a place at the table there. And so that's been big across the church, the tribes get on that every time I turn around just another article at home that my mother or family will send me, uh, that you know person's commenting on that. and. Uh, just because it's so uh, new and different for this United Methodist Church. In a way, too, by you being assigned here, it, it kind of spreads the message out, right? Because <clears throat> Bishop Nunn uh, in mm -hmm. Oklahoma Conference mm -hmm. uh, has been such an advocate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's taken care of. Yes. It's an opportunity yes. to spread the message somewhere yes. else, right? It is. And Bishop, Bishop Nunn, he's done a great job there and especially helping to um, promote and help the church realize how. Uh, vital native folk are and the contributions we make. And, and, and the other piece too, Todd, when I first ran for bishop, uh, people would say, not to me, but they'd say, you know, uh, David's uh, been a part of the reservation. At that time, we didn't have reservation in Oklahoma. So, so he, I know he can do well there, but how, how will he do away from there? Which, that was very disappointing to hear those comments. And so part of my life here in the Great Plains, get to work with everybody and to be able to show people, you know, that I've uh, been trained in uh, seminary, trained through uh, United Methodist entities, and just to uh, uh, 
an opportunity to show people that while we are different as racial ethnic people, we still know how the church operates. Uh, we still know how people operate in the church. And of course, most importantly, our task to go and love the people and to lead people, to inspire folk, and, to, and just to show up and support folk um, for the great work they're doing across the church. Well, as you were talking, it just hit me that one of the things I wanted to make sure we talked about was uh, this process of disaffiliation mm -hmm. that we're dealing with. Yeah. We're going to come back to that in a little bit, but I'm going to segue to it for just a moment. Uh, you said something in one of, the, one of our interactions that has really stuck with me about how disaffiliation really isn't a big thing among mm -hmm. indigenous congregations because of the culture and the way mm -hmm. people are so mm -hmm. Uh, uh, entwined and, and the way that they rely on each sure, other. Yeah. Will you talk a little bit about that and, and how that plays into your leadership uh, in this era of the United Methodist Church when we've got some of these things going yeah. on related to disability? Sure, a, a great question. I, I uh, That's been a part of my sermons I've been preaching on this uh, these past few months to help people understand. For, for Native American people, uh, it's always been about community and the tribes and our churches. Uh, decisions that would be made for our ancestors we done in community. Uh, often women had a huge role in making those decisions, help, helping to lead us in those decisions. So we understand that we don't look out for number one as the dominant society says today. We look out for everybody. And so when our tribes make decisions, they think about the whole community, how, is, how it's affected, how we're affected, and then how they will affect uh, future generations to come. And so I look on that, and, and as of now, the, you know, no churches have disaffiliated in the Oklahoma Indian Mission Conference, and I think it's because of that desire to be together, to be there together in community and support one another there. There's no other place across the connection where they can, where there's such a large gathering of Native folk where they can do that. And, and it's been a part of our DNA, so even early on, uh, think about uh, think about the often time when I drove drive across Kansas and Nebraska. Many of those lands used to belong to indigenous peoples who all over the place. There were no fences. There were no boundaries. Uh, they shared, and so th that was a quandary for the U.S. government and the church. And so, one of the very first things the government did to break up that community was to make, at least in Oklahoma, uh, to make native folk own land. So they gave us acreage. They gave us so forth, and because they didn't understand. They understood the community piece, that we didn't care about land. I mean, we cared about land, but we shared it. We didn't understand all these nuances that this dominant society had. So that was their attempt to break up community. And it, it didn't work. And in the end, you know, so many people had no idea what, the, what it meant to own land, what it meant to own this, it, because we shared so much of what we have with each other. And, and I shared it often because that's a piece I think that the Great Plans can continue to learn from. And, and perhaps the next couple of years will be part of our theme. Uh, for the annual conference for us to understand this community and how important it is for us to look out for one another. Yeah, I find it interesting <clears throat> what you're describing is the church in Acts chapter 2. You're, yeah, you're exactly, you're exactly right. I, I was looking at, I was working on a sermon on community and that's what I kept coming back to was Acts, Acts chapter 2 and it's uh, just interesting how we often get away from that, uh, that understanding what the church is. Yeah. On the topic of disaffiliation, let's just go ahead and knock out a few sure, things thank you. that people are interested <laughs> in. Uh, so we have somewhere north of about 100 additional churches that are looking to disaffiliate mm -hmm. at the upcoming annual conference. Um, what I think some people miss in that is that means there's still going to be almost 800 yeah, churches yeah. that are going to be part of the Great Plains Conference of the mm -hmm. United Methodist Church. Can you tell us a little bit about how you're excited about what those 800 congregations are capable of uh, as we go through this process? Oh, oh I, I sure can. And you're right, that's been... Uh, there's not a single day that goes by that we don't talk about disaffiliation. Uh, 
and uh, uh, the the challenging part is as the superintendents deal with these disaffiliations, I tell people often they don't go in just to take care of business. Uh, they, they these disaffiliations are personal to them. People they've known, people they've worked with, gone to school with, lay people, churches they've served, and it's di very difficult and they're drained and and. Uh, uh, just just uh, hurt by that, and it's, so, so it's, and again, it's about this relationship piece, this community piece. There, so I want to make sure folk understand that it's uh, for what we've dealt with there. And you're right. I I tell people often. I said we still have 800 churches left, and these and and I, for the gatherings I've been with, with clergy and laity, people are so excited to get this chapter behind us of disaffiliation, so we can get on with the mission of the church. And everywhere I go, people are energized and excited. They tell about what they're doing and what's going to happen, what's happening in the churches already uh, when we get past these disaffiliations to help us understand what we can do together uh, there. You know, the Great Plains is still a relatively new new conference. Uh, I, I find that as I travel there. And we're still a youngin'. Still, 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 still a youngin' and got ways, ways to go, and there's still so much new, new ministry and places we need to be at. And, and to all the other pieces, in some of these areas where there's been large numbers of disaffiliation, that the cabinet uh, and... Uh, congregational excellence is talking about how how do we redevelop some ministry in the area for larger numbers of people who've stayed and so what can we do in certain parts of the Great Plains Conference we're having those conversations right now and it's exciting to see uh, you know what's going to come of that there's some real creativity that we won't get into here but just so our listeners understand that it's not like people are just sitting on the sidelines here so you may have read on our website, uh, we have basically a circuit rider. Yes, uh, yes. It's going to be working the, the western portions of, of, uh, of Nebraska mm -hmm. uh, to start off. Mm -hmm. We may see other things like that as we go forward. Mm -hmm. We've got to do a little beta testing here. Yes, uh, yes. That, it's, a new, it's a new era, and it's a chance for us, frankly, to just try some things that maybe we thought we should have tried before, mm -hmm. but we, for whatever reason, we didn't pull the trigger. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, well, there's no reason not to try it. Yes. Uh, so there's that. Um, we are we have people who have joined the annual conference as members mm -hmm. uh, when their churches disaffiliate, but they want to remain United Methodist Church. Uh, a lot of things going on, uh, and some things that that we haven't even thought of yet. That, that maybe a, a topic out of the blue at some cabinet meeting yeah. or staff meeting, or or if a lay person has a great idea. Uh, it's Great Plains Bishop at, <laughs> at Great Plains, or it's Bishop at GreatPlainsUMC.org. Send in the idea. Uh, you just never know. Yeah, I, taught, I, taught, I like that. You know, uh, some of our new ventures uh, have not come from uh, myself. They've come from laity and clergy who have these ideas, and we said let's explore that in this idea of the circuit rider, uh, what we're doing with the annual conference uh, membership. I'm going to join Thursday night this week uh, for Monday Thursday service, uh, just to be a part of that. A lot of stuff going on, and, and there's going to be even more as we as we move along. I'm sure. So, um, Bishop, when you ran when you ran for the episcopacy, you had to answer numerous yes, questions yes. Uh, meant to vet people who are offering themselves for such an important position. Some of the questions have been associated with the abeyance on prosecution of LGBTQ plus clergy and other aspects of human sexuality, which is the whole reason behind our. our um, uh, I shouldn't say that. It's not the whole reason. It is the, it is the presenting mm -hmm. uh, issue that's going on with our denomination right now. Would you mind sharing your thoughts on the concept of the abeyance and any other aspects of that topic of human sexuality that you think are important for people to know? Sure. Thank you. And, uh, you know, when I came to the Great Plains Annual Conference as the new bishop, the abeyance policy was in effect already there. And, and, I, and you're right, during these interviews, I think I had three or four with every delegation. 
uh, you know, since we started in 19 and we had to refresh over ourselves. Years. Yes, over years. We, we have to understand. <laughs> so normally, folks, the election would have been back in 2020. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, because of the pandemic, which you are all aware of, it was delayed and it was delayed mm -hmm. and it was delayed. And finally, uh, there was a decision made that the jurisdictional conferences could go forward in November. Typically, those things happen in September. Uh, and so, no, in July, sorry, right? Normally, they happen in yeah, July. July. Yeah, July, yeah, July, yeah. September 1st is mm -hmm. usually the starting yes. point. My, get me sure yeah. mm -hmm. It's been so long, I don't have my information <laughs> right. Uh, but this time, we, we, the elections were in November, and January 1st was the start date. Yeah. So a very different mm -hmm. cycle yes. uh, that people need to understand that this is it's an abnormal time to start the job. Yes, yes. In an abnormal time for the denomination. Mm -hmm. uh, and frankly, just an interesting time in the world. Yes. And, and so folks just need to, I, I wanted to make sure I voiced that so people would understand that this is this is just a very different different era. Yes, yes, it, it, it sure is. So when you you know walk in in January, things have been in play already. And so the advance policy was in place already for the Great Plains and the Conference. But when, during those interviews, that was one of the questions asked. Uh, what are your thoughts on the advance and will he uphold it? And and I, uh, you know, as a racial ethnic person, I know, I know what it, it, it's like to be left out, uh, to be uh, neglected and to be thought of as less than. And I think that's part of that when we think about the LGBTQI community uh, who, who are hurting and uh, from results of years of decisions that impact uh, uh, their lives and, and our churches. And so I, so for myself, I've always supported the abeyance uh, for this Great Plains Annual Conference and to work through these processes and will continue to do so for, uh, you know, for this uh, 2023 and 24 uh, there. And, you know, and, look, and, and I say that because uh, we get reappointed in 2024. My hope is that I'm back. I trust I'll be back. So I don't want to make any assumptions, Todd. Why I say 23 and right. and 24 uh, for that, and that's been a big, you know, uh, when I was in uh, Dallas in January, I got, was meeting with I think the 17 of us or 19 of us new bishops, and we talked about that a lot. I think all of those present present there, except for those from Central Conferences, were folk who who are upholding the bans as well for their annual conference. Mm -hmm. yeah. <clears throat> Shifting gears a little bit, um, I want to get into some of the specifics of the, some of the things that you've been up to. Um, and one of those is you recently concluded a circuit in which you met face-to-face -face with some of the mm -hmm. large church pastors mm -hmm. uh, across Kansas and Nebraska. Um, I respond to a few folks on Facebook that, that were like, why is he with just the large church pastors? Mm -hmm. Um, so I want to let you explain that one yes. a little bit as far as why you did that. And we'll get into that discussion a little bit about the size of this conference. Sure. Thank, thank you, Todd. When, I, when, when, when we were first elected, Bishop Merrill and Bishop Williamston and myself, we met with retired and active bishops for the South Central Jurisdiction. So it was a time for them to give us advice what to do, not to do. It wasn't a long session because that jurisdictional conference was so different because of you know, how we were elected. And one of the pieces that they all said, they said, when you get to your area, one of the, the things we ask you to do, or recommend that you do, is to meet with your church, your pastors of your large churches. He said, that, they, he said, when you think about it, those large churches pay the majority of your apportionment, mission shares for the Great Plains Annual Conference, and just to go off for our appreciation for, who, for, for their lives. And so uh, Bishop Sines happened to be in the office in December when I was here, and he said, yeah, he said, I would suggest you go not just to one city, but to three places. So was in Lawrence for the Kansas City area, uh, Lincoln for that area, and then uh, Hutchinson 
for that part of the state. Had a great turnout uh, for uh, pastors there. And I think if I remember, Todd, uh, Scott Brewer would travel with us, our new uh, chief of staff. And so he would share the, those percentages, anywhere from 20 to 23 for each of those areas, uh, not including Church of the Resurrection, which is 23%. So that was a piece for us uh, to offer my uh, appreciation, also to hear their, their joys and concerns about what they needed from my office, uh, but also just to say thank you for your faithfulness for what you've done. And, and, and those larger churches, are, since they're more uh, uh, centralized, they're easier to get to. Uh, we look at rural uh, Nebraska and Kansas, that's more challenging, but we do, uh, we do have some plans to be in those areas coming up uh, uh, soon. Yeah, one of the things that I think uh, folks, some folks, I, want, I don't want to make it sound like there's a lot of people. There's just a few folks that misconstrued that as saying, well, he just cares about the large churches. Mm -hmm. That's not at all. It's just a matter of convenience, yeah. number one. Number two, it was winter. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. <laughs> so it was easier to get a small number of people together uh, with the possibilities of weather. Yeah. Uh, and, and then there's just the reality, folks, of our two states are 167,000 square miles. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can tell you from experience, in the not-so-distant past, that it's 11 hours one way from Topeka to Shadron. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, I had a video that I had to shoot up there uh, uh, with uh, Pastor Tunde, and I can just tell you that it's that long one way. Got through two audiobooks on the way. There, so, so, so that was great. Um, so it doesn't mean the bishop isn't going to be visiting you. As a matter of fact, I would actually put people on alert that we have a bishop that will just drop in on mm -hmm. you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's talk about that for just a few moments. Uh, you don't give anybody warning. You just kind of you, you shown up at a campus ministry. At yes, local churches. You showed up just to worship sometimes yes, on a Sunday yes. morning when you haven't been preaching. Yes. Um, you're just going to kind of show up, and so uh, you, you might be somewhere where people where people aren't expecting. I do, and and, and that's been fun, Todd. When I, uh, my, as a matter of fact, my very first Sunday was uh, New Year's Day, I think, or the day after. Uh, my visit popped in at uh, Grace Church in Winfield, Kansas, there, and unannounced, and they were quite surprised to see me. But it, it, you know, I wanted to be further away from Topeka, where I live, and just to get further out, and that was a joy. And then uh, one particular night, uh, the campus ministry at Emporia State. Uh, was having a Shrove pancake, and I said, I'm gonna go pop in, and I, I went to visit, and they were quite surprised to see me. And there was, it was a fundraiser, so many folk from the church were there, and one woman was there, and she said, did you come all this way to see us, or did you just, were you just passing through? I said, no, I just came all this way to see you folks. And had great conversations, learned about the church, and the rest, and often when I'm driving from place to place, I'll drive through towns where I know we have churches and, and uh, drive to the parking lot, see if anybody's there, just to pop in if I can. And so I'm always curious about where our churches are at and being able to see people. Now, lately, there's been very few Sundays where I'm not preaching. For the, for the Sundays where I'm not, where I don't have obligation, I enjoy popping in, and there's still several on my list that I need to get to just to pop in and say hello. And I don't always have the... Uh, have to preach, but often just want to be there with the people, see what's going on, learn about the churches and the ministry, meet laity and meet pastors uh, where, where I get out. As we get into the spring, the summer, and into the fall, uh, we'll have a more, a, a more, uh, a regimen is not the right word, but we'll have a better plan as far as when the bishop's going to be in your community is to meet with clergy and lay folk of churches of all sizes. So, yeah. Uh, just wanted to get that out there that it's not like we're not like the bishop is trying to ignore the smaller churches because he's more aware of that than almost anybody else that I know about the importance and the vitality of those smaller churches and the impact that yeah. they have on local communities. Yeah, that's, that's very true, Todd. You know, growing up in a conference made up of small membership churches who often feel neglected that people don't pay attention to us. And I've, I'm anxious to get out, and I think uh, the week after 
Uh, soon we'll be in the Great West with Cindy Cargas visiting churches in that part of Nebraska, and so looking forward to that. And then, of course, April, all kinds of meetings. May, we're preparing for the conference, June and July. So my schedule is filling up very quickly uh, to be able to get out and around. And often, like, for instance, I was in Omaha one day, and so I said, I'd like to visit some folk on Monday and Tuesday. And so I, the further out I go, I always try to spend at least two or three days just to visit, see people, uh, and uh, just, to, just to get to visit and get to know them. Something I've discovered about our bishop is uh, he wants to go beyond just knowing your name. He wants mm -hmm. to know you, and mm -hmm. that's why he likes to spend more time yes. with folks. And yes. so, uh, yeah, just just be prepared for that as as you uh, as you host the bishop whenever that is. So, yes. Uh, I, I kind of want to conclude this episode, Bishop, with some really really good news. Mm -hmm. uh, some things that I think are exciting, and and one of those is that we have fifty people. Yes. Mm -hmm. Who are going to mm -hmm. be going through either yeah. ordination or commissioning yeah. at this annual conference mm -hmm. uh, coming up in June. Uh, even during tumultuous times is what's going on in our denomination. We have people who are answering the call to mm -hmm. ministry. Yeah. As the Episcopal leader of this area, that's got to be exciting. I want you to tell us yeah. a little bit about what that means to you and what you think that means for the future of the Great Plains Conference. Yeah, and that's, been, that's such an exciting piece. I probably share that in most sermons I uh, have across the conference, uh, Todd. You know, I got to visit with the board uh, when they before they start the interview. You can get to know them. And the fun part about being here just in my last appointment and uh, and through knowing the delegation I, I knew about a quarter of the folks that's always fun and good to know that you know some folk already and and uh, so they met Monday through Friday Friday I drove by and the cars were still there so I popped in to see them they were done with the interviews they were making decisions and they I asked how many and they, and they said we're interviewing 50 uh, there uh, a few more to come and so I left when I was driving down the road and I thought that's a uh, to think about those candidates for elders and deacons uh, to be making those decisions, to continue with those decisions, to say, I want to be ordained at such a time as this. Disaffiliation, uh, so much uncertainty around the United Methodist Church. And, 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 and just and, society in general. Oh, yeah, everywhere. And, and so I, call, I emailed a few of them. And I said, tell me why this is important to you. And I remember one, you know, one said, I, just to be, to be able to share my story and help people with the faith journey. And another one said, uh, the joy of being, I'm paraphrasing, joy of being ordained, that he said, I shudder with excitement. And I thought, oh, what a great, great word. But these, these folk of all ages, they're, they're on. They're ready to go out there. And I tell people, these will, these will be movers and shakers, people who will go and make a difference for this Great Plains and across the country and the world. We have some of those folk who are to be ordained that work in other parts, serve in other parts of the country. So I just, I'm just amazed at their faithfulness and tenacity. And I imagine, Todd, uh, and I could be wrong, of course, this is, the Great Plains is the largest largest conference in this jurisdiction now, and so I don't I don't know talking with others that any other conference has this many to ordain and to commission, and that's going to be a wonderful. I'm so looking forward to that ordination service and and starting. I've already started uh, on Zoom interviewing each of the candidates who will be who will be ordained uh, deacons and elders. And have had, uh, we'll have great conversations and looking forward to knowing more about them, to know who they are, where they're serving, and ask that question uh, uh, about why they're, why they're so on for such a time as this. I've been joking that if you've got like seat pads and water bottles, bring those to, <laughs> bring those to the ordination services. Yes. It's going to take a while. It will, it will, it will take it's a an while. excellent problem to have. It Don't is. Don't get me wrong. It is. Uh, it I is. don't want to make too much light of it. Yes. It's just been kind of a funny thing in the yeah. office here. If we're just being prepared. Yes. 
to get through all those people. It's just going to take some. It time. will. And it's a, it's a great. It's going to be a great, great service. It is. It is. I'm looking for. I had a. Uh, when I came, they said. I said, now tell me what I, where I preach, and they said, well, you usually preach at one, and you invite a guest to the other, and I said, I want to do both of those, especially when I found out the number of ordinance, uh, but to be able to preach and. Uh, at that service as well. So I'm already working on my sermon in my head after that. <laughs> With all that windshield time driving around. That's right. That's right. That's right. Last question I have for you is with all the things going on and all the pressures that mm -hmm. happen and the time that goes into this, how are you taking care of yourself? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. That's always been my biggest challenge, uh, Todd, even in my previous appointment is, is there's so much to do, uh, so much demand on your time. You know, when uh, Barb and I look at the calendar or executive assistant so many requests and you can't get to all of those you want to but you can't and so for myself you know one week I'm I think I traveled and uh, I'm saying uh, the hotel six nights one week uh, four different hotels and, and so you come home and you, I, I try to rest up and and I'm finding some routines here as I settle into Topeka of getting to walk and run and take care of my physical body. Uh, some weeks I do better at that than others. And then, of course, my meditations, my books I get to read, uh, scriptures we get to come back to and reflect upon uh, daily in, in my life. But that's still a big challenge. And, and when you're new to the job and you want to do everything, and I remind myself, now you got all year, you can get to these places, but people are anxious for you to get here and meet them. And so that's a big piece I have to work on. And family and friends who, who keep me grounded that will text or call and, uh, and uh, remind me of the saying that family as well who uh, worry about me and, and certainly to care for yourself and to be able to do that. Bishop mentioned <clears throat> he walks and runs. I just want everybody to know that we, when he showed up, we made sure he had T-shirts from <laughs> a lot of our universities yes. so that he can be sporting the Kansas and Nebraska colleges as he's out doing his exercise. So yes, and I've, I've sported a couple of those already. <laughs> uh, I, have, I have to remember which shirt to wear, where in what place. But I, and, and, and so I, We did our best to get all the corners <laughs> of the conference. You did. So, you, did a, so, yeah. you did a great job. You did a great job. Todd, the other piece I, to, to mention is I did, been able to visit uh, Nebraska Wesleyan, uh, Kansas Wesleyan, got to meet folk on the campus and the presidents, and just amazed at uh, the great work that's going on and their connectedness with the United Methodist Church and the Great Plains, uh, Southwestern College as well. Uh, just fun to see where we're, we're educating our young people and, uh, and, and the United Methodist tradition, and, uh, and to the campuses at least. Uh, the United Methodist Cross and Flame is prominently displayed. And I'm so happy to see that because I've been to United Methodist College, University, that Cross and Flame is nowhere. And so I, I was so happy to see that. Say, this is a great pride for the Great Plains and these universities to say we're connected with the United Methodist Church. And don't worry, you Baker fans, we'll get into Baldwin Yes, City yes, I've got to get to Baker. We'll get into Baldwin City, maybe around Maple Leaf Festival. I, I, yeah, Baker, I think I need, and maybe on my calendar for something in the area, but looking forward to that, yeah. Well, that's uh, Bishop David Wilson. Thank you so much for taking time out of your hectic schedule to join us on this episode of In Layman's Terms. Thank you, Todd. Appreciate, appreciate it and look forward to seeing folks down the road. That was Bishop David Wilson from the Great Plains Conference. Again, the original air date for this podcast is April 10th, 2023, and it marks the 100th day of his service in the annual conference as bishop. He's already been out and about, but with so many miles to cover, it may be a while before he hits all the areas of Kansas, Nebraska. So, uh, watch our website, greatplainsumc.org, and our conference Facebook page for details on when the bishop will be in your community. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.
In Layman's Terms is a podcast sponsored by the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church and by me, your host, Todd Seifert. If you like what you've heard in this episode, please go rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. It helps others find us. And if you're so inclined, please share the link to this podcast on your social media channels. Our music and sound effects come via subscriptions to Universal Production Music and to Storyblocks. You can find archived episodes on the conference website at www.greatplainsumc.org podcasts or on my website, toddseifert.com. Please email me with any questions or comments to tseifert at greatplainsumc.org and I'll do my best to respond as quickly as possible. Thank you for listening. And until next time, please do what you can to help make more disciples of Jesus Christ. You can play a small part in helping change a life.